0: Yes, we are. Recording. How's it um, going?
1: Finally, uh, in front of a mic.
0: In front of a mic in the Westport Library studio.
1: Speaking rather than listening.
0: This is Half Hour. <laughs> Hanging with the Hoffs. We don't really have a name yet. Um, this is just a trial run and we'll see how it goes. It's
1: exciting, very exciting.
0: Very exciting, we have some topics that have not really been seen by the other person. And we're gonna discuss them live and see what we come up with. We'll switch off.
1: I hope you all are feeling the anticipation just like we are.
0: Okay, I'll go first. Okay. All right. So what about merit-based grading? What does that mean to you? You're a teacher, I'm a student, but what does that mean to you? Is
1: this like some medical school term?
0: I kind of came up with this week.
1: So you you didn't read merit-based grading anywhere else, you did this is just like I just the, put some English
0: you, I just put some English words together. Oh
1: wow, that's fascinating. Thank uh, you. Merit-based grading. Um I think that the end grade would reflect the students merit and achievements.
0: How do you define that?
1: Merit and achievements.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it depends on the course or the class, uh, but whatever the learning goals are for the teacher or the professor uh, would be ideally stated ahead of time, and students could strive to achieve those learning goals, and their efforts would be rewarded on a grading scale according to their achievements.
0: So let me make sure I get this straight. You're talking academic. So a grade is how you're defining merit. Yes. What about the people who excel in other areas and aspects have the ability to change the world, but maybe they're not the best test takers. Maybe they wouldn't achieve in the classroom.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who do really great things in the world who aren't great students. So mm-hmm. just because you don't achieve a high grade in school doesn't mean you can't be a very impactful person and live a very meaningful life.
0: How do those people not get sidelined though in the way that our academic system values merit? <laughs> it's, got, it's tough.
1: I think, I think what you're kind of implying here is that there are certain spheres of academia that need to adjust their grading scales or standards or what they're evaluating in order to encompass more than just pure academic achievement and like IQ level intelligence. Am I, am I? Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. I'm just curious if other people think about it the same way that I've been thinking about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a teacher so um, I think that teachers need to be fair in how they grade their students. uh, And they need to be upfront about how testing is gonna be administered, how grades are going to be administered. Um, But I think that achievers who excel in things other than pure academic pursuits shouldn't feel the need to confine their abilities and talents to purely whatever some teacher is stipulating in their course syllabus. They should be free to think outside the box and go wherever their passion takes them because that's what's gonna be best for them and that's what's gonna be best for society. It's not all about academic achievement.
0: I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, I agree that I think it's important not to confine someone to the one way that I guess society typically determines merit, based on, you know, academic standing, grades, that being the only metric for achievement. But I also think it's challenging. And I don't, just having the idea to change the system doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get changed in a timely manner. I think it's hard to shift the way that people view merit and grading.
1: I sense your frustration over there.
0: <laughs> 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 um, okay, that, that was pretty good. We can bounce to one of your topics now.
1: Um, one of my topics. Um, I know you have some takes on the Oscars fashion last night, or the other mm-hmm,
0: night. I
1: do. Was that one of your topics? Did I steal one?
0: Oh, I actually didn't write it down here. That was pretty good. All right.
1: I want to hear your takes.
0: My takes. So... I was very happy to see, I'm gonna pull up some photos as I talk about this. I was very happy to see that embellished black was a highlight of the night. Cause you know, that was my bridesmaid, oh. my bridesmaid theme. Yeah. So Nicole Kidman had a fabulous dress mm-hmm. that was sparkly and black with flowers and silver. I loved that. Um, let's just pull it up here and look together. Let's just look here for a second. I mean, I thought Cara Delevingne's dress was beautiful. It was red, so not embellished black. I liked the embellished shoulder, though.
1: Yeah, you gotta describe. You gotta be more. Oh, descriptive oh, it, it's these. like
0: it's red. It's kind of a taffeta, very high slit to the upper thigh. I mean, she looked she looked gorgeous as always. Um, Rihanna was sporting embellished black with her pregnant belly. We love Rihanna post Super Bowl when she made that pregnancy debut. Um. I don't know who that actress is, but I really liked her dress. Also embellished black, Jessica Chastain maybe? Could be. Yeah, very sequiny silver. Silver was kind of our other color for the wedding. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, beautiful as always. I thought everybody looked great. I mean, I didn't love um, this one. We're looking at a picture of someone who has very small amount of the chest covered. I don't really understand the outfit. I like the flowiness of the skirt, but I personally couldn't, you know, I wouldn't have the confidence to wear an outfit like that. Um, But she looks beautiful. I just was very happy with the embellished black. I think that's exciting. Even if people like to trend towards color, embellished black will always have my heart.
1: What do you over the, over your years of following the Oscars, what do you think are some of your kind of likes and dislikes?
0: I like when something is unexpected, but tasteful, like a beautiful piece, a gorgeous design. But it's not like that other picture I just showed you where there was there wasn't really that much being covered at all. I was like, oh, I'm very confused by this outfit versus a piece that has gorgeous sleeves or embellishments or sequins or or whatnot.
1: That's a great, beautiful description. Unexpected, but tasteful.
0: Unexpected, like but tasteful. Have but, you seen any of the pictures down. other than right now of the Oscar?
1: Uh, I saw okay. one where um, somebody was wearing a pink satin dress, but with a cape basically that looked like a um, that bird. That was
0: Alison Williams.
1: Okay, Alison Williams. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I saw that too. I was confused by that. That to me was like a pretty piece, but I don't know if I would consider it.
1: Uh, I don't think it was Allison Williams. It was somebody else. I think it was somebody from everything, everywhere, all the time. Um, was it this one? No. Okay. It was, it was, wait, oh no, never, you're, you're not looking at it.
0: Okay. Interesting. And the guys always yeah. kind of look very similar. I don't think I saw any standout there tuxedos. There was somebody
1: who wore, uh, who didn't wear a shirt. Well, Lenny Kravitz didn't wear a shirt and there was also somebody else. I think that was like Okay. the interesting, interesting. trend, not wearing a shirt.
0: Interesting. I thought everyone looked very, very beautiful. And there were some... um never before is like the first asian woman to win the oscar for best actress that was an exciting thing i saw that all over social yeah. media that was great we didn't really see that many of the oscar nominated films this year
1: uh fablemans yeah fablemans we didn't see everything everywhere all the time it's a very like new age kind of young crowd we didn't maybe. see avatar no
0: no so maybe we have to catch up on our Oscars, our Oscars viewing instead of me watching uh, reruns of yeah, The Mindy Project.
1: I mean, I feel like at this point, the fashion on Oscar night is more interesting than the movies themselves. So
0: Hey, that's, that's my line. That's what I say. <laughs> that's what I tend to say. Um Okay. We can we can pivot to our next our next topic. So, a lot of our friends this week are matching into residency. Okay, my friends, classmates, and your your friends by proxy. And I want to hear what you think about the match algorithm. You're not someone in it, but it will affect you at some point. And you have enough friends and um, colleagues who are kind of involved in it.
1: Well, the match algorithm, I think, first of all we learned that it has been much improved in the past, uh, I don't know how many years, but there's basically like a computer science problem that won a Nobel Prize that helped increase the quality of the matching. Um, So in that sense, it's a very, uh, it's technologically impressive. Um, But the stakes of matching and, creating a list and then going on a interview tour and then opening the envelope and that kind of determining the next four years or five years of your life or whatever it happens to be, where you're gonna be location wise, who your colleagues are gonna be um, is obviously very high stakes and nerve wracking. I'm not sure if there's a better system though. Are you implying there might be a better system?
0: I'd like to think that there could be, the same as you apply for a job, right? And you can have multiple offers and accept and deny. But I agree. I think that the system is as sophisticated as it can be right now. And I think overall it works. It's just unfortunate when people get either lost in the system and that they don't match and have to, what they, what they call it is soap, and basically apply in this week before the final match results come out and and try to see what else is available for them to apply to. Or if you get placed at a very low choice down on your list, again, part of it is luck and who else has also ranked the places you've ranked. Um, I think it's just challenging because if you were to not accept the match, you are basically quitting a job. And that's not really an option. So,
1: Yeah, I'm sure there are lots of cases of people matching to... A hospital that was not high on their list but then they go and they end up having a great experience
0: right in in the universe and god's plan or or whatnot it it working out your place where you can bl- blossom
1: yeah i think the reason why the interview and multiple offers process wouldn't work is because you have all these residents joining the ranks at the exact same time so in order to There would have to be so much time to filter through all the candidates and all the offers and um for the whole hospital system that just having one day where everyone either matches or doesn't is sort of the
0: solves the timing issue. Oh yeah. I I think again, it's as sophisticated as it can be at present. I'm just I guess I'm hopeful or I'm curious if there are ways to improve it in the future. That would be interesting to see.
1: Can't rule it out. Can't rule it out.
0: Cannot, cannot. Okay, we'll tap it back to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Our next topic. Um,
0: I like the switching off.
1: I don't know. I think it makes it a bit random. What, what, I think it's fun. What, what's your next topic?
0: I have a few. Well, Well, first of all, did we talk at all at length about Chris Rock's special. I know that's been on a lot of- We
1: did not talk about that.
0: Uh, yeah, it's been on a lot of um, the podcasts that I listen to. There are yeah. takes on the special. What about you?
1: What What's my take on the Chris Rock special?
0: Or has it been on, on the podcast that you've been consuming?
1: Uh, minimal, I've, I've heard minimal takes on the Chris Rock special. The, the minimal takes I've heard is people liked it, especially the rant about Will Smith, uh, but- My Ears Haven't Heard takes that go well beyond that.
0: Interesting. What was your personal take?
1: My personal take was Chris Rock was doing this thing where he was recording a live special.
0: I think it was the first ever that Netflix put out.
1: Right. Normally, you would record over two or three sessions, and then you would mix it all together to get the jokes exactly. Right, right. Timing right. And what the commentary that I haven't heard from anybody is that he messed up one of his jokes in the Will Smith segment. And because it was live, he'll never get the opportunity to
0: clean I remember, that joke up. I remember that, but it also makes it, it, it humanizes it.
1: It humanizes it, but it's like, it's kind of like, um, you know, it, if you were in a basketball game and it's the fourth quarter and you kind of like, miss the shot or you, you know, there's a traveling violation or something. Usually comedians hide that by recording over multiple days. This time it's like you see it firsthand. It's like, yeah, he, he messed up there. The stakes were high and he didn't like make the shot.
0: It's funny though, because I didn't even remember it until you mentioned it right now. I remembered it in the moment. I thought it was, interesting that it couldn't be covered up but it's not something that stuck with me
1: and me i also think like seeing him leave the stage even afterwards or seeing him like take a bow at the end and everyone clapping for him like i sort of sensed in the back of his mind that he knew that he had messed up that one joke and that that was going to stick with him and he might not admit that like in his post special interviews but it didn't seem to me like a fully sincere uh, take a bow for him at the end. It felt like a, a, a somewhat of a missed opportunity.
0: I mean, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be perfectionists about their own work, but to me as the listener, I, it, 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 it doesn't stick out to me when there's 59 min- more minutes of, of what I thought was excellent content. Yeah. I mean, he didn't, he didn't spare anyone or anything. He kind of touched on everything. I
1: know, but th- all the comedians do that. I mean, that's his job, right? It's, I mean, how
0: much, how much comedy do I listen to? And you probably listen to more. Yeah,
1: I, lis- I listen to, I-, I don't listen to specials, but I'll listen to comedians on their podcasts. And that's what they do. I mean, they touch the buttons that other people are afraid to touch. And I mean, I give, it, I give it an A. You give it an A?
0: Maybe not an A+. Plus. Probably takes a lot to get an A plus, A minus. What what are what do you think?
1: I would give it a B plus.
0: Just cuz of the one mess up of the joke. Yes. Oh, I'm not I, <laughs> merit-based grading everyone. Um no, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to give it a B plus. It has to be in the A's. It kept our attention.
1: It did keep our attention.
0: We stayed up and watched it live for the first 40 minutes.
1: The last line was funny. So, I mean, you're talking about a craft that I could never do, like normal humans could never do, but in terms of like putting it among the ranks of the best of the best, I felt like it was an interesting idea to do it live and I felt like it will be used by other comedians as an example of why they cannot do their special live, why they need to do it over multiple times so that they can get it just right.
0: You know, when I saw Jerry Seinfeld, it was a Netflix taping. They told us that at the Beacon Theater like right. when we got there and they did do multiple takes of certain jokes, he he would laugh and like apologize to the audience say, Hey, I have to repeat this now. And like, it was funny for us to.
1: Right. He'll pa- he'll pause in the middle. He'll say somebody tell me the score of the Mets game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is a big Mets fan. He is yeah. a big Mets fan. Okay. What other topics
1: well, keep going down your list?
0: Okay, my I don't list? have a
1: list. We have 10 more minutes.
0: Okay. Um, I guess I, I have two more topics. So the first one relates to the fashion question that you asked before, but I think I know your answer on this. But let's debate a little bit: um, department stores versus the outlets. <laughs> I know your take, but let the let the listeners know the listeners now.
1: Which is less expensive?
0: The well, outlets. It, dep- it depends if there's a sale.
1: I think in general the outlets are that's what they call them outlets. It's like on the outskirts and they're out of the picture and. Out are you making mind. that up no
0: oh that's why it's called an outlet
1: i am making it up but
0: <laughs> okay so you like the outlets i find the outlets to be chaotic to be honest you're running around between so many different stores so many people are there trying to do the same thing half the time there isn't even you know exactly what you want right
1: i think we should pivot to a conversation on consumerism and how <laughs> buying, buying things does not make you happier <laughs> it doesn't
0: make you happier but it does make you often better dressed and there is happiness in that
1: I don't know I've I've seen your wardrobe and <laughs> so that's where it, fashion it, I think Jerry Seinfeld has a joke about how like you know there, there are all these shirts in your wardrobe and they're all like pick me
0: pick me I want to be <laughs>
1: with you they never get picked they never get picked
0: it's true i really do wear a lot of the same things again and again but on the off chance that i'm not i have options
1: (laughs) yeah there are so many clothes that might have had a bright future had they not been purchased by you and now they're just (laughs) in a a graveyard
0: called my closet monster yeah at einstein Um, okay. That's funny. That's funny. I I think I'm always gonna, honestly, I'm gonna go with online shopping over shopping, anything in person. I think it's easier. I think you can return. You can actually try it on at home, make up your decisions. Once you're at the outlet, everything is final sale and department stores are also chaotic. A mall. I don't know. I'm not into it.
1: What I want to know is like in the olden days when it was just the shtetl, community
0: they didn't have outlets back in they the didn't have days. outlets
1: but what did women occupy their time with what what filled the whole of online oh, shopping
0: i think they were doing all of the house chores while the men were out at, at work that was it was traditional you know male and female household roles
1: right so i guess there was a whole is this the first generation of females that is like a non-stop consumer or has that always kind of been the case
0: I wouldn't say the fir- our age people. I wouldn't say we're the first, but I think think about when the internet really started to take hold, and match it with when consumerism started to uptick.
1: Well, what about your? I mean, you think your parents' generation? It was like, yeah. I mean, I think I think w- our
0: parents' generation were definitely consumers.
1: Yeah, I guess they were the great generation. So after uh, their baby boomers, the baby
0: boomers. Yeah.
1: I wonder if it was like when did it start? You know.
0: That's that's a research project you can go and look into for the next episode and report back.
1: Yeah, what was the shtetl equivalent of outlets? and? I wouldn't say the shtetl, I would
0: say like 19, see what like 19, post-World War II, when consumerism started to uptick.
1: Well, I've been been researching post-World War II. And at one point, the United States of America was more than 50% of global GDP. I'd believe it. GDP is like a metric they use to, yeah, you know that one. Um, you
0: didn't think I knew what GDP meant? No, I went to business school.
1: I'm explaining for our listeners. Oh,
0: okay, because you said me. I went to business school, sir.
1: Um, yeah, and basically every country that has enriched itself over the past century has done so by feeding the American consumer either with food or clothes or-
0: Is that still a current standard?
1: I mean, yeah, I think that, you know, there, there's today there's obviously the European market, there's obviously the Chinese market, right. which is up and coming. Right, But it's still, if you're talking about the 20th century, America, was, uh, the American consumer was the only game in town. So I guess our parents' generation were definitely a part of that. But I wonder what it was like before, you know, maybe maybe the answer is that really the consumers are the men and women let's say of whatever the kind of hegemonic nation is at the time so during the great british empire you had like the victorian age and the whole time span of the british empire and people in london were that was like the maybe shopping hub and maybe.
0: We should go to London. We should take a trip there and do some shopping and see what it's like.
1: How many times have you been to London? Once. Yeah, I think I've been twice.
0: I went in high school with my mom and my sister for a weekend trip on intercession. Did you like it? I thought it was so fun. I mean, with kind of how we travel, we were like nonstop every, every minute we were doing an activity. So I really got to see kind of all of the big sites in just a matter of a few days. Um, and it was like a girl's only trip. It was fun. I would, I would definitely go back. It's been over 10 years if I was in high school, 17 maybe, 16, 17.
1: What is your goal of travel?
0: See as much as I can. Experience as much of the world as possible.
1: Okay. But you're talking about like the, um, you, you don't want to see like third world countries and like.
0: In a safe way, I would.
1: Yeah.
0: You've been to You've been to some third world countries, haven't you?
1: I mean, yeah, I suppose my summer in South Africa was
0: spent. And you said among... that that was—you didn't know if you felt safe all the time that you were there. So I would, I would do it in a way that's safe yeah. and, and and you know, clean and healthy and yeah, to the I, best of my I think abilities. That's,
1: those are uh, contradictions though. They're a little bit contradictory.
0: And I, you'd have to plan a little bit. Yeah. Okay, last topic before we wrap up. Do you have one?
1: We have, we have three three minutes left. Oh, so you you you, you so, have a, you have a last no no. Topic but there?
0: my my topic should be safe for next time. It's a big topic. What's your what's your, you you get the last one.
1: Um, how do you think we are as podcasters?
0: I don't know. We're gonna have to ask our listeners.
1: <laughs> the, the one listener.
0: The one listener who's here. I saw him laughing. Your mom. Some some of our things were funny. Our parents. See what they think. Your sister. See what they think of it. I think we had some good topics.
1: I think you have a very good voice for podcasting radio. Oh, thank you. There's a lot of clarity. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like droning on. on No, I I
0: think you have a good voice. You have a deep voice, which I think always projects well, like I said. Um, I definitely think it helps me pause and not say like as much. Do you find that with knowing that you have a microphone in front of you?
1: I was doing a, I was giving out our team awards in front of
0: oh, I the remember. Yes, yes.
1: community. And during my first award, I was just doing um and like the the whole time. You haven't really but done I, it on this podcast. I did, I did catch myself. So maybe now I'm a little bit more aware of it, but.
0: And on that note, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the half half hour.
1: Yeah, the half half hour. We gotta get a better uh, <laughs> a better name.
0: Hanging with the Hoffs for half hour.
1: Yeah, it's a song. Yeah, we'll see you next time.